Welcome to A Brodacious Life. This is a show dedicated to the idea that all people from any background can design a life worth living. It all starts by organizing your life with the five F's. Faith, family, freedom, finance, and fun. We call this A Brodacious Life. Are you ready to design your best life? Your brodacious life? If so, then this is the show for you. What's going on, squad? My name is Jonathan Boyd. I'm super excited that you're here because you know why? It's a Brodacious Life podcast, and we are living brodaciously today. So I'm glad that you were here, and you were here for this new segment. This new segment is coming out on Saturdays called the Saturday Sevens, and what this is about is giving you seven quick things that you need to know about a topic. Quick excerpt here, if you can provide us and you're an expert on something and you want to give us seven things that we need to know about X, I would love to have you on the podcast. You can email me at abrodaciouslife at gmail.com and I'd love to have you on the podcast, chat it up and have a great time. Again, this is just a quick, you know, 20 minute little segment and uh, super excited about it. So today I want to do the first one as we kind of launch this segment. And um, as an executive chef, I get asked a lot about how can I up my kitchen game? Chef, I just, I can't cook. I can't really do this. I can't do that. I don't really know where to start. It's overwhelming. My spouse maybe is really into cooking and I'm not. And I'm just, I just, I feel inadequate. And don't panic. Everybody starts somewhere. I was fortunate enough to kind of grow up in a family where one, uh, my dad was the primary cook. And, and why that is, is because, you know, my mom, she kind of worked, she was a school teacher, so she wasn't back in time and my dad was. So I kind of grew up cooking each day with my dad. It wasn't just some task that was given to my mom randomly. And then my senior year in high school, that was literally my job in the house was to make sure that this happened. So, excuse me, please note, I'm also, I've been getting over the Rona So if you hear me cough, please, 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 please pardon my cough. And I'm deeply apologizing now. But I want to give you seven tips, though, to to get you on your game. First thing is first is invest in good chef's knives. And this is going to sound crazy and this is going to sound expensive. And here I'm going to help you out because all these gadgets and gadgets that you see, you don't need those. Don't invest in the latest air fryer or pressure cooker. Those things are cool to have, but you don't need those. Not if you're really wanting to dive in and be a super good cook. You need to invest, first things first, is a good chef's knife. Now, you also need to understand what different chef's knives does. Don't just run to a store and buy you a knife and then you don't know what that knife does. Different knives do different things. So you have like a 12-inch chef's knife. That's a good place to start. I always recommend Wustoff's or a Shun's. Those are my two favorites that I go with. I keep both of those around. They're both pretty and they'll last a lifetime. And they have a lifetime warranty. So they're just great knives to have. But you need to understand what a boning knife is, what a chef knife, a cleaver. Just kind of understand the basics of those things. And when you see that the, you see those knives in the display, you kind of notice that each one is shaped differently. Each one kind of does something a little bit different. And that's exactly how they are. They're kind of like a, 
An electrician might have a toolbox of items. It's the same thing for a chef. We carry, I carry about 20 knives. Each knife has a different purpose for a different, either a different animal or a different objective that I need to get achieved. So it's super important that you kind of keep that in perspective. If you can only buy two knives, say you're only going to go for two, get a 12-inch chef knife. Again, Wustoff or Shun, those are my two favorites. You, you, you buy what you, you get what you pay for. So if you get a super cheap knife, it's not going to stay sharp for very long. It's probably going to break, um, and it's just it's not going to be worth your time. Now, on the flip side of this, when you get your nice knife, you need to treat them with respect. You know, you can't run it through the dishwasher. You need to hand wash it. You have to have some kind of understanding of basic, um, basic knife care. <clears throat> So just something to keep in mind. Next, number two, know your mother sauces. So what are the mother sauces? So in French cuisine, if you can master these five sauces, you can literally bang out every single sauce in the French uh, in the French catalog. Anything that you can think of comes down to really the basics of five sauces. And then there's just other ingredients that are added into it. But you got to master the basic sauce. So what are those five sauces? Bechamel, which is basically a thickened white cream sauce. Velouté, which is basically thickened stock. Espagnol, hollandaise, and tomato. <clears throat> Excuse me. So learn how to make those sauces. Because once you get those down and you can make those from scratch, you can bang out hundreds, if not thousands, of sauces by just adding in a couple things. But you really just need the basics on how to make those sauces, and you will impress everybody. Everybody, everybody. Number three, no simple techniques. You know, you need to master the the sear, braise, grill, and I like people to understand the word, the the concept of basting. When I sear a steak, I'm basting that steak. So, like when I cook a steak, I will I'll sear both sides on high and put a nice crust on the outside of it. But then as I'm letting that steak sit and it's kind of sitting in that butter and that fat and all that deliciousness, I'm going to add in a bunch of herbs and garlic down into that fat. And then I'm going to start ladling that fat right back up on top of that steak. And I'm adding to the sear, but I'm also adding flavor and I'm basting it and it's fat and juices. And those are just key things that you need to know. If you can master searing, uh, roasting, roasting is kind of an odd concept, it's very vague. But understanding what temps you need to roast something at, the instant thing for everybody is just to chunk it in the oven at 350 degrees, and that is a huge lie. You roast either high or you roast low. So go in at 400 to 450 or go in at 300, but don't sit there at 350, 375. It's kind of a take a crap or get off the pot kind of thing with me because you want to put a crust on it or you want it to slow and easy. So things that you would want to like uh, high sear is like if you're finishing a steak in the oven, you want it at a super high temp. But say you're cooking something like a Boston butt or a pork butt, you're going to want to put that in the oven right low and slow and let it ride. So 300 degrees for about four or five hours, it's going to make a magical peel off the bone moment for you. So kind of understand, you know, simple cooking techniques and how that those individual things work. Uh, number four is you don't need fancy equipment. You don't need it. You don't, it's nice to have, 
I've got a couple pieces that I, I pull out every once in a while. I've got a uh, an immersion circulator for sous vide. I've got the vacuum packer, but I use that for a lot of other things other than sous vide uh, on the farm. Um, but things like you know the air fryers, the 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 electric uh, crock pots and pressure cookers. Those are all really cool things to have. And there's hundreds of other gadgets from, you know, a torch to, I don't know, the, the weird little choppers and ninja choppers and all that stuff. All that stuff is cool. Don't get me wrong, but it's not necessary. If you got a good chef's knife, a solid cutting board, I can bang out any of those things without the fancy equipment. In fact, we don't have a, <clears throat> we have the old school uh, pressure cookers because we do canning here. Um, I don't use the electric ones. Uh, I don't use an air fryer because I can fry things in the pan. I have grease all the always around because I've got animals. Um, I really just, I don't get that much stuff and I'm an executive chef and we don't carry that much stuff. I know it's kind of weird. Um, pasta machine. Maybe that's the one thing that I care that my, most people might not carry, but I like handmaking pasta, and this next year at the farmer's markets, we're looking at selling handmade pastas at the farmer's market. So something that we're trying out. So I'm hoping to get more use out of it, um, but it is, uh, you know, you know, not necessarily something that you have to have. You can roll it out by hand. It's not easy, but you can roll it out by hand. Um, uh, fifth thing is understanding mise en place. So what is mise en place? Mise en place is a hardcore culinary kitchen word. So mise en place in French means things in place. It is very important for you to understand your prep and everything that goes in to doing what you're doing. Why waste time cutting five onions throughout your day when I know if I'm going to need dice for one thing, I'm going to leave it whole, um, for this project, I'm going to need them sliced for this project. As I get out an onion, I'm going to bang out all four ways that I need it. I'm going to set them aside, uh, portioned out properly into different containers. And I'm going to do the same thing with my celery and my carrots and all of my things. And then I'm just bing, bang, boom. I'm putting things together like a hoss boss. That's how it's done in kitchens. You know, we, we prep out all of our stuff. I will spend probably three or four hours in the morning. Uh, when I was a uh, executive chef at the a five diamond hotel and we would spend out, you know, three to five hours and that would just be prepping items up, <coughs> excuse me, Rona cough. And, um, uh, and so we'd spend three to five hours prepping all these things out. We wouldn't even hardly be cooking. And then I would spend the latter half of my shift actually putting all these things into the pan and getting them working. And that sounds maybe counterintuitive for a lot of people, but also, one, it helps me constantly be moving. It helps me be efficient on the stove. Uh, stove tops are a hard thing. It's, it's primetime real estate in a lot of restaurants. So you got to have all of your crap together before you can come to that stove and hog it up. Cause if you're hogging up that stove and that cook needs to come over there and use it and you don't have everything prepped that needs to go in that pot, you're just kind of putting things here and there, just trying to make it work. That cook is going to yell at you. And then the, if you're not the executive chef, the executive chef's going to yell at you if you're in his way. So it's super important that you've got all of your items prepped. And then putting things together is, is a lot more simplified. It's a lot easier. It's easier to clean as you go. 
And it allows you to be more efficient at the stovetop itself. You're not walking away leaving. You're not risking burning anything. You know, you can set, you know, five pots up, bing, bang, boom, knock all five things out at one time. You've got 100% focus on that stovetop so you're not walking away trying to prep something. Oh, I got to go get the celery that I forgot for this. Nope, it's all there and it's done. Number six is understanding your cuts. And what I mean by that is understanding, like, if you're a red meat eater, red meats uh, and, uh, you know, the different cuts of a steak all cook differently. And you've got to be able to understand that. <clears throat> you know, somebody will come to me and be like, well, I don't want to pay $55 for this filet mignon. I can just get this sirloin over here for this price. And, you know, they take, they take, they get, they're like, well, I'm just going to go home and cook this sirloin. And, Yes, you can do that, and there's nothing wrong with that sirloin. Now, that sirloin, one, is nowhere near as tender. You're going to basically lose a tooth as you're chewing on it, trying to pretend it's a filet, and it's not. You know, different cuts have to be treated in different ways. Some are good, like quick grill, like flank steaks. Anything over flank steak for medium uh, is pretty much trash. Don't do it. Don't do your teeth that disservice. You're going to be chewing on it. It's going to be like beef jerky. You're going to be gnawing on it like a hyena on a wild carcass for like 20 minutes. It's just not worth your time, you know, versus a steak, you know, like a, something like a filet mignon. You're not going to want to really braise that or deep fry that item. That, that would be a waste of that cut. The whole point of a filet mignon is that you're just kind of searing the outsides and encrusting it, and then it's done, kaput. You don't have to take it to that next level. And then you've got things like uh, shoulder cuts uh, or uh, like asabuco, which is like leg shanks and things like that. Um, those items have to be braised. And braising means basically you're going to sear it on multiple sides. And then uh, maybe you put a little uh, celery, onion, and carrots and a little uh, stock or broth. Uh, broth, for those who don't know, broth is basically liquid made from uh, meat uh, stock is made from the bones. That's the big thing to know the difference between the two. Stock is typically a little bit cheaper because it's made from leftover parts. Um, so you'll basically just pour stock over that, wrap it up in foil, and then you're going to put that in the oven at a super, super low temperature. Or you could do it on the stovetop covered up. It's kind of the, still the same concept. Um, but that's requiring you to basically cook it to where it basically falls apart and you can mash it with your hands. You were to try to sear that and eat that, Again, you're going to lose a tooth. Um, the last thing is focus on five ingredients. This is probably the hardest thing for most people who are trying to be uh, gourmet. I hate that word, by the way. Gourmet is, when someone tells me they're trying to be gourmet, as a chef, I cringe. But I understand that that's like a hot word for, for, for people who are trying to be you know, good cooks at home. And I understand that. And, you know, chef world versus home kitchen world are two completely different things. Um, but chefs, we're really not pumping that many ingredients into these dishes. You know, when we're focusing on a chicken, there's really not more than five items on the plate or five ingredients. We're really keeping it simple. <clears throat> the more you're having to do 
on that uh, on that thing, you're actually taking away flavor. If you've got really good chicken, you've got really good vegetables, you've made a good sauce, and you know you've roasted some good potatoes, you don't need much of anything else. <coughs> I'm so sorry, guys. I thought I was doing good. I thought I was doing good. As I talk, my throat gets drier, and I deeply apologize. Um, but focus on five ingredients. You look at the upper restaurants in America, that's really what there are. They're really not um, crazy amounts of ingredients on the plate. You see these things on uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives, and these guys who have you know these one-off dishes that are these crazy over-the-top, like 15 things mounded up on top of each other. But those aren't their money makers, and those really aren't their top sellers. You know, their top sellers and top money makers are things that are the basics, you know, of five ingredients that keep things simple. And, you know, I just I just encourage you to think that way. It'll save money in your pocket. It'll also, you know, just help you focus in on your, you know, focus in on your plate. Get a little water in my throat. Oh, yeah. A little hydration, eh? So with that said, I hope you've enjoyed these seven things to help you <coughs> up your kitchen game. Thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for dealing with my Corona cough today. I'm Hopefully I'm going to be over it here in the next two days. I've been fighting it hard. And uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me here at The Brodacious Life. Thank you for listening to today's episode of A Brodacious Life. We hope that you will like and subscribe to this show on whatever platform that you are listening to. Sign up for our newsletter at abrodaciouslife.com and follow us on Instagram. More importantly, we hope that you spend your day with faith, family, freedom, finance, and fun and live brodaciously.